disrupt and deter the word of God in your life. It's supposed to be working in your life so that you can win. And if you're not putting it into you, if you're not reading it, you're not checking it out, then how do you know what the word is for you that day to win? Are you just going to stand on the the promises of, well, I'm promised abundant riches and wealth and endurance? Well, yeah, you are. Uh, But you've got to fight. You've got to do something that God calls you to do. Second Samuel chapter 8 speaks of one sweeping victory after another for King David's newly established kingdom. The enemies of God's people are defeated in droves as David strengthens Israel's security against the antagonistic nations around them. God was fulfilling his promises to David and to Israel through these victories. A life of service and commitment to Christ will always highlight the faithfulness of God and of his word to man. In today's message, Pastor Mark will encourage us to trust in God's faithfulness even when we can't see His fulfillment yet. Are you still trusting in God to keep His promises to you today? Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 8 with today's edition of Come Alive. 2 Samuel chapter 8, and if you remember from last week, you know, chapter 7, we were told about some of the promises that the Lord had revealed to David. And so this week, immediately after the writer of Samuel reveals and tells those promises of the Lord, Um, he begins to tell us about the fulfillment uh, of these promises. And so the Lord had said in our previous study that he would provide safety for Israel. The wicked men would not oppress them in in verse 10 of chapter 7. But when you read that, what do you think that it means? I mean, when you think about that, um, some have heard and, and read and even believed on the promises of God, and yet some of those people get very discouraged and upset and turn away from God, though these great promises are in the Bible. It says that wicked men would not oppress them, and yet well, we see later on sometimes wicked men are oppressing them. So, you know, you, you think about that. Why do some people get upset because they read these great promises of God? Why do they get so upset, and why do they turn away from God? Well, I don't think they understand their role in the relationship a lot of times. I mean, when you really think about, well, what is our role in this relationship? You know, you can say, well, they may have prayed that God would increase their economic standing or or stood on a passage like Proverbs 8.18 that says, riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness, yet I'm broke. I, I can't make ends meet. And so you sit and you wait for the money. You you pray the prayer and you're sitting there and you're waiting for the money to show up, but you neglected to understand the previous verse, verse 5, that says, Oh, naive ones, understand prudence. Are you seizing the opportunity that the Lord brings? Are we doing our part? Is Are you listening and seeing the Lord work around you and tell you how to do these things? Are you just expecting or maybe God spoke through Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 to you, and you're standing on that, and you just ignored those verses. 
and telling how an ant works without a boss and finishes with, if you seek too much rest, poverty will overtake you. You know, a lot of people I talk to are, are financially strapped and they're like, yeah, but the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And it's like, well, what are you willing to do? Oh, I'm not going to take a job there. It doesn't pay enough. Oh, you mean to tell me it doesn't pay enough more than zero that you're making now? I mean, isn't one more than zero or two more than zero? Or is it your pride that takes place in that? And so you, you see and you hear that people do that. They want to stand on those good promises of riching and enduring riches and enduring wealth, yet they don't want to take the advice of the ant who, without a boss, just gets up and does what it's supposed to do each and every day. But David understood what needed to be done. He understood. He wasn't so much of the person, you know. And when you think about also in those same thoughts of, I wonder why God's not doing this or God's not doing that. I wonder why it hurts when this happens or it hurts when that happens. The same is true with battles, spiritual and physical. In the New Testament, we're told to suit up in a suit of armor, yet when we don't and the enemy shows up ready to do battle and starts hitting us, uh, again, we wonder why we've become bruised and defeated, hurt and shocked. How has this happened, God? How has this happened, Pastor Mark? Why is this happening? God, why did you do that? Why did you allow that? But David understood what needed to be done. And we're going to see how God fulfilled his promises. And now these events come from various periods in David's life as a king. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methag, Amma, from the hand of the Philistines. And then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground, and he measured them off with a line. With two lines he measured off those to be put to death, and with one full line those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. So some might ask, well, why all the conflict? Well, what's going on here with all this conflict? And and as I looked and I studied and, and thought and wrestled with these verses, uh, the best answer was, you know, and even for you and I, why all the conflict in life is, well, that's life. It may not be an acceptable answer to you, but it's the truth. That's life when you think about all the conflict. Look at, turn with me to James 4 and look at verse 1. It's after Hebrews, James 4 verse 1. If you go to Peter, you've gone a little too far It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so uh, that's where the, that's part of life. You think about it, and as I was reading that, I was like, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your what? Your desires. Your desires for pleasure. Uh, again, we, we, we come to another verse where it talks about our pleasures when they become more important 
than the things of God. When comfort, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable and resting when there's that time to rest. But the pleasures, again, you lust and you do not have. Meaning you want, you want stuff, but yet you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain, you fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Lord, bless me with this new car, this new. I need, it may not be that you need the biggest, the best, the most expensive. Maybe you just need some wheels that will get you from point A to point B without walking. And so sometimes we ask and miss. And since the days of Samson, Israel's most oppressive enemy had been the Philistines. And so David wages holy war against them. Now you're thinking, well, what's this have to do with that? Well, if you think about it, these fights it started with a lust with Saul. He didn't want to listen to God. He wanted his own pleasures. And so now these Philistines are there, and David's got to finish the job. And so when we see this, and we understand that that's part of life. We are going to have desires. We, I have desires sometimes that are like, man, I'd love to have that thing. Do I need that thing? Probably not. So, Lord, if you want me to have it, then you'll provide it. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. And there have been times where last minute he said no. And I've got to be perfectly fine with it. Part of me is like, oh, Man, I know that. That would have just been awesome. But Lord, I'm, I'm totally satisfied. I don't want to think any more of it. Move me on to whatever it is you need me to be thinking about doing. Move me on to that next thing. And so again, since the days of Samson, Israel's most oppressive enemy was the Philistines. And if you look at verse 2, it says, Then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with a line. The, the measuring with a line here is he measures these guys, and and we do see some mercy in this. Yet David had to think, who would be the bigger threat? The big guy or the small guy? So the big guys die. He figures, he's like, here's this line, whoever reaches the top of this one, they're dead. The shorter guys get to live, and we'll keep them, and, and, and we'll use them to help us. And so they'll be our prisoners of war. And so besides dealing with Israel's greatest foreign threat, he also waged war against a traditional enemy that had opposed Israel since the days of Moses. And when you think about that here, it's Moab. We see some great lessons here. The Philistines, remember back David was living amongst them. They were his friends. They were buds. They were bros at one point in time. And he was going to go to war with them. And they were like, nah, you know, this is David. We don't trust him. We're fighting his people And it's not going to be good. So the Philistines were his friends. And the great lesson that we learn here is, well, he didn't let those friendships interfere with his commitment to obey God. How many of us allow those friendships that we have with those friends that are not saved or that are not walking in a righteous manner affect our lifestyle, affect our walk when we get around them? And the second thing is the Moabites. Do you know who the Moabites were to David? Their family. That's his family. Well, when you think about it, even his family ties did not get in the way in the commitment to his obedience to God because who came from Moab? You think about the story in Ruth. And so there you, you see this, that his obedience to God 
his family and his friendships didn't get in the way to his commitment and what he wanted, his obedience to the Lord. So sometimes these things, if we allow them, can hinder our walks. They can hold us back. Our progress in our relationship to God. And So now, as we've said before, in the Old Testament, we see illustration. But yet, when we move forward into the New Testament, we see illumination. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So the whole armor of God. What has taken place in David's life as well as in your life is spiritual. It is spiritual. And so we need to understand that we will either win or lose. You know, God's not like the YMCA where everybody's a winner. And neither is life. You know, I I think that's the weirdest thing that... These kids play these sporting events, and they all walk away, and they're trying to score, and they're like, oh, cool, we all won. Real life doesn't do that. You either get the job or you don't get the job. Somebody may beat you out for that position, or you may beat them out, but there's, there's a loser. And so here's the deal. We will either win or we will lose, but that decision is up to you as well. You might think about, like, well, how's that decision up to me? Well, through hardships and trials and these tribulations, they come into our lives. But God is still on his throne and he is still forever great. No matter what comes your way, he's still God. You may not understand it. One of those ways is putting on the armor. This is how we begin to win. This is how we have to do battles by putting on the armor. These battles David is facing are big. They're huge. And so he's fully engaged. Are are you fully engaged in those spiritual battles that you're fighting every single day? Uh, Do you go to the war room and get on your knees and you pray and say, Lord, you know, today, here's today. What is it you have for me today? Uh, A lot of times it may be us going to him and saying, Lord, here's what I want today. I don't want to fight. I'm tired. I'm worn out. And that's okay to let him know that stuff. But he may say, you know what? It's going to be a tough day. Or I'm going to go ahead and equip you to handle what life is about to bring. See, life's not just an earthly existence. A lot of people think that. And a lot of Christians, like I said before, they just take Christianity and add it to that, well, that already good life that they're having. But it's not that. See, what life is, it's an amazing race. You're going to see order and definition throughout life. There's always order and there's always definition. You might say, well, not in my life, but there is. It may, it may be just out of whack a little bit. It may be a little distorted, but it can come in clear and you can tune it in even better when we really submit and give ourselves over to the Lord. Uh, but if you're not, maybe you're not doing that. You may be losing. If you feel like you're losing and you're thinking you're losing, then, well, maybe you're not fully committed. You're not fully in it. Maybe you're you haven't put the helmet on, or maybe the, the belt, or the shoes of your armor. 
Uh, maybe the walk is hard and you're feeling those little pricks under your feet and it hurts and you're starting to stumble and trip. Maybe you're missing some of the armor. And the reason is that maybe you're losing could be, well, because the enemy, here's the deal, the enemy really wants to destroy you. Satan wants to destroy you. There really is a Satan. The devil is plotting, and, and, and it says right here, if you look with me, it, the devil has a day. He, he has plotted and planned a certain day. And it says, you know, in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in these heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not just some of it, but the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So there's a day, an evil day. And so that evil day, what is that evil day on verse 16? Well, it's any day that the enemy picks to sift you. Any day. He may prefer somebody one day and somebody else the next day or a bunch of us one day. And somebody might be like, man, I'm having a great day and all you people are having it rough. And it's not because we're not wearing the armor. We're doing battle. And just like David in his situation, he is king and God has given him promises, but yet he has still got to go out there and do the battle. He has got to partake in the, in the fight. And sometimes I think as Christians, we think that we, we're just able to sit back and, and coast, but we can't do that. So that day, Satan wants to disrupt and deter the word of God in your life. It's supposed to be working in your life so that you can win. And if you're not putting it into you, if you're not reading it, you're not checking it out, then how do you know what the word is for you that day to win? Are you just going to stand on the the promises of, well, I'm promised abundant riches and wealth and endurance? Well, yeah, you are. Uh, But you've got to fight. You've got to do something that God calls you to do. See, yesterday was either a winning or a losing day. Did you go to the war room again? Did you go to your prayer closet? Did you get out the battle plan, his word? Did you apply it or did you do your own thing? A lot of times people say, well, I don't understand what God has for me. And it's like, well, here it is. Well, yeah, but that was, that's Old Testament. That's an illustration. New Testament will illuminate it so you can find something there. But if you can't, you can take an application out of that. And see what happens. Here's David having promises of of Israel succeeding and, and, and being there. And remember last week, David prays and says, Oh Lord, so let your name be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And he prays this awesome prayer to the Lord. Remember, we stood up two weeks ago and we recited that together, making it our prayer. And yet, what happened yesterday? Did you win? Did you lose? Did you apply God's word or did you do your own thing? If you did your own thing, you probably lost. You probably lost. It was probably a struggle. And there's nothing wrong with struggles, but if you lost and you're like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening again and again. Are we doing what God has called us to do? To victory. And the devil is after you. You might think that this is a a sick game. Oh no, no, no. It's not a sick game. 
It's not a game at all. Your eternity is at stake. People's eternity is at stake. And so that's why it's important. Maybe some of you saw the what if thing that we put up. It's kind of a new little deal we're doing. We're going to make shirts. They're just going to say what if with a big question mark. And that's for people to read your shirt. And they go, what if? And you say, yeah, what if God were to change your life today? Well, I'm already a Christian. Well, what if you prayed more? It gives you an avenue to turn either way. You can take what if and throw anything in there. And that person, what if that person just needed encouragement? What if? I didn't have a what if shirt, but the other day on Wednesday night, I was telling people about how I met this guy and at Academy, we started talking about Christianity and the things that you know are going on. He had this big concern. These guys are buying up all these bullets and stuff, waiting for the great big whatever, if that happens. And I was one of the guys there buying the bullets. I just like to shoot guns and blow stuff up. So I'm there, and I start talking to this guy, and he's like talking about all this stuff. And I said, well, what happens when you die? And he goes, well, I guess I die. I go, no, where do you go? He's like, in the ground. I'm like, how about your soul? He just stopped and he looked at me. He goes, you're a preacher, aren't you? I was like, no, I'm not a preacher. Just a pastor. I'm just a guy. Just a guy like you that sometimes wonders, what's going to happen? Oh, when's it going to happen? But I can rest assured, even if I wasn't here buying bullets, I, I wouldn't have too many concerns other than the physical harm that could come to friends and family. But I want to share something with you, and I want to tell you. I started telling him about Jesus, and he was like, man, I really, you know, every day I pray, and I pray that God does something with these hands. I give him my hand so I can do work for him, and I want to do good work. I go, well, that's all fine and dandy, but what about where do you go when you die? He just shrugged his shoulders. I said, man, you know, you're an amazing dude. You were in the Marines. You, you saw war. You came out of that thing alive. Now you're here. You're worried about the next thing which is fine. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. But what if you were to die? Where would you go? And he just sat there and he twisted and he turned. He's like, well, I'm not sure. I'd hope I'd go to heaven. I was like, wouldn't you want to know for sure? He's like, yeah. He goes, what about you? I was like, I know for sure. The hope that's there. I mean, God placed you in these situations and all you got to do is just listen to what people say and just remark and just say something maybe we don't hear hey there's that person go talk to them we're so glad you tuned in today to pastor mark's teaching here on come alive pastor mark has been walking us through the bible verse by verse chapter by chapter unlocking the blessings truth and love found within its verses We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.